Welcome back to Always Evolving with your host, me, Mike Bear, aka Coach Mike. Imagine choosing a profession where you were pretty much putting your life on the line. There's a lot of different professions in which you do that, whether you're a police officer, a fireman, and there's a lot that happens in those professions. There's pensions, there's health insurance, there's a setup for retirement. Well, in the sport of fighting or mixed martial arts, there isn't that yet today. And our guest, Mark Hunt, is in the middle of a lawsuit with the biggest fight promotion in the world. It's called the UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship. And he's coming on the podcast today to talk about the injustices and the just overall lack of fairness in his mind when it comes to what the fighter gets with choosing to be in this profession with the largest fighting promotion. He is going to be with us from Sydney, Australia, so it's very early over there. And I would give you Mark Hunt. Welcome. Hey guys, thanks for having me to show you. We've become buddies on Instagram, you know? We have. Can you just give everyone a little bit of a, a backdrop? You, you have quite a story um, in terms of where you ended up. I've actually got a book out about it, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, um, you look, maybe it's better if you just, you know, get the book. That'll probably explain it a lot more. I mean, it takes a long, long time to sit there and explain about the whole thing. So, but uh, a lot of, a lot of people know me by um, being a professional fighter, working for the UFC and actually just suing them. That's, um, that's how a lot of people know me now. <laughs> Is it a lot of people know you now because you sued the UFC, but like you, in order for the listeners, because a lot of our listeners aren't, they don't watch a lot of fights, right? So they kind of want to know a little bit about like, how did you end up where you're even in a spot where you're suing the UFC or ended up being a professional fighter? Well, I started um, when I was, I'm 46 now. I started fighting when I was, uh, I think it was 16, uh, doing Muay Thai. I mean, I got, um, I was street fighting outside a nightclub and that's how I got, uh, I got saved by the bouncer. Um, the doorman became my first coach. And um, about 33 years later, I'm still fighting. You know, it's a crazy story. Like I said, it's a long story, but you know, you got to read it. It's, uh, you can purchase it on Tyndall, the bookstore. <laughs> and then what was the name of the book again? Born to Fight, the name of the book is called. And in Born to Fight, you talk about your upbringing and how you ended up becoming a professional fighter. Correct. Then you became a professional fighter, and then you became an exceptional professional fighter. Yeah, I'm um, one of the best pro fighters in the world. Uh, I, used to, I fought um, kickboxing and boxing and, and MMA, of course, um, working for some of the biggest companies. Uh, UFC haven't been part of that company for like two years, but... Um, because of the lawsuit that I'm in, to be honest. Um, and it's, yeah, that's basically my story. I haven't fought to, in that, for that company for about two years now. And, um, you know, they uh, stole the passion I have for love, uh, love for fighting. And um, I just got that back. So I just signed for boxing fights and I want to end my career with uh, six more fights. When you say they stole your passion for fighting, what do you mean by that? Um, I'm in one lawsuit. Um, I meant two, but I'm, my personal lawsuits against them with, um, against uh, steroids and um, then promoting and helping these guys get away with steroids. Um, a lot of uh, the champions nowadays, John Jones and Masvidal and Secuda up, up there now talking about uh, fair pay, they want more money. Um, and that's just 
one of the arguments they used to have with this company, um, Dana White and, and the brothers, well, they used to own it. You know, they the, the boss, uh, Dana White, said that they didn't force people to fight. They forced me to fight uh, at one stage of my career. And, and I just got sick of it. I was sick of them promoting the guys or get on steroids and, you know, putting through the system that they own with USADA and getting away with it. And um, it just wasn't... Uh, and the last draw was in before they sold the company, they, they forced me to fight against another cheater. And and then I just said, I've had enough. You can't keep doing this. And I just dropped a lawsuit. How many professional fights have you had in the UFC? I've had about, um, I think over 20 with these guys. How many of those fighters do you think were on steroids? Well, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I can't really tell. I mean, you can, if you look at someone, you can assume that he's on steroids. Unless, but unless you take uh, you know, blood from them, you wouldn't know. But one of the, I think the most famous guy that I, I fought uh, that everyone knows me for was a guy named Brock Lesnar, who's a, a pro wrestler. I went to MMA, you know, even with him. After I mean, I lost about um, you know the with the lawsuit, um, you know, they just put him through the system. And even when they found out he was cheating, they had power in their contracts to go take all his funds, from which they didn't. And if I asked for them to take it off and give it to me, I said, just to take it off. And to put things in perspective, how much do you, when you're in a big fight and you're fighting against someone, on how much can you make? Like how much were you making at the peak? Oh, you can make over a million dollars. That's kind of garbage, to be honest. I mean, I know it's a lot of money, a million dollars, but it's kind of rubbish to be at the top end of your career and fighting in one of the most watched sports in the world. And, um, you know, they were, uh, they were only paying 18% of the, the total revenue. I mean, guys like Anthony Joshua, um, Tyson Fury making 30, 40, 50 million dollars per fight. Whereas guys like John Jones would be struggling to make four or five million. That's one of the other lawsuits I'm with, uh, the class action against this company. It's like slave, slave labor. They're only paying a minimum of uh, what they should be sharing of the revenue. And that compared to other sports, do you know how different it is? Like, I know you mentioned boxing, but is it normally a way bigger share? Of course. It's, uh, there are the UFC only sharing 18 to 20% of it, um, whereas the, the boxing fraternity, the gridiron, they're sharing 50, 40, 50% of the total revenue share. And, and what happens for a fighter, you know, are there any like pensions? Or is there a retirement fund set up? Anything? Zero. That's why we're in the other class action lawsuit trying to bring in the Ali Act. There's, there's no retirement. Uh, the, uh, there's no um, pensions. There's nothing. I mean, that's why I mean, for me, for the UFC, there's no, what I used to think was there was prestige in that title, prestige and money. And that was, that's gone out the window now because when I've, I've, cause I've actually been in there, come out the other side. And you can see it by all the champions these days, you know, like John Jones and, and Henry Zakir asking for more money. It's just a joke. There's no prestige in that title and there's no um, money in that title. So that's the point of doing it. The UFC has the biggest promotion behind it in terms of mixed martial arts. And so it appears at least that they kind of have this policy of like, this is the way it is, take it or leave it. Correct. That's, um, they've been running a business and that's how it is. The, uh, I, I feel, you know, the fighters, I mean, like before when I was working for the most, everyone should think it used to be cool to be a UFC fighter. You know, there was, it was prestigious, there was plenty of money. But, you know, as I was working through there, then I started arguing with these guys about it. Then I realized it's not what the persona, what they put out to people to make it. And people are starting to realize that because, you know, champions are saying, we want more more share of the revenue. We want more money. And that's a, the world champion for this this, this belt. 
You know, in the last month, you've had the greatest kind of known male champion in John Jones saying, I'm not coming back to fight anymore because we're not paid fairly. You have Jorge Masvidal, who's just an enormous fighter, who's saying, I'm not coming back unless I'm paid properly. Does that help? Like, how do you think this ends up shifting or shaping if there's kind of a mentality of take it or leave it? It goes to show that, that what's happening with this company and what needs to happen is more people need to stand and say, we're not going to work for this company because the way I see it, without these fighters, there's no company. Although that the, the fighters make 10% up of the company, it's the important 10%. And at the moment, they're not getting looked after at all. So, and you can see they're complaining. And um, what needs to be done is they, they need to bring in the Ali Act. Um, they need to, to make it a fair share of the revenue. So these guys get a fair shake of the, of the dollar. I mean, the owners of this company, I think the royal family of Dubai or something, and and all these celebrities uh, that own this company, just this is a total business. And, and whether they know it or not, you know, um, they're getting more of what's happening. I mean, they they're enjoying the fights, of course, but um, it's a it's a total business, and the the losers on this are the fighters. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I remember back in the day, fighters used to even get their own sponsors and. So if they weren't making enough money on the fight, uh, they could go into the ring with, a sh you know, their their fighting shorts that could say Red Bull or Nike. Yeah. And that changed, right? Yeah. A lot of these fighters made more money from their sponsorships than they did uh, uh, for fighting. And that was, you know, a way to make ends meet for these guys. But with the Reebok deal, they took away all that. And, and if you want to get a sponsor through this company these days... You've got to actually pay the company $100,000 before. And what small company can afford to do that? Pay $100,000 to UFC, then they got to pay the fighter. <laughs> it's, a oh, it's because they're saying it's a privilege to say you're a UFC fighter and this is the brand. Well, the, the, the UFC owns the image of this person. They're subcontractors. They own the image, but yet the UFC fighters have to wear a uniform. They own their image. And, you know, yeah, it's just they're, they're locked down tight with their contracts. You've been around a long time with fighters and it's such a sport where, look, I never fought and I had disc replacement in my neck and I'm 18 months later and I'm like, oh God, I'm like trying to do yoga all the time and I'm not getting kicked in the face, my arm broken. What the, after a fighter fights, from your experience, do they just have a, a ton of health issues? Well, you can see there's a lot of fighters that have issues. Um, they talk about, you know, the head trauma and all these things. I mean, I know two fighters that had um, had to go GoFundMe to, to pay for one of them that had a hip surgery and the other one had a, a, an arm surgery, Tim Sylvia, because he got his, his arm popped against Frank Murray and um, he had to go fund me that. And and he's asking Data to help me yet and, and, and the UFC. And he's he's the, he's the five-time world champion for this company. It's, it's really surprising that there's not – you know, a health insurance policy that that is going to cover all the injuries that a fighter sustains. He's helped build the, this company. He's the five-time world champion, and he's go-funding me to uh, to fix his broken arm that was caused by an armbar. Uh, you know, in in uh, while he was working, and uh, it's a joke because it makes me laugh because it's just a joke. I mean, Dan is white knighting for for some other fighters, and he doesn't even look after his own fucking fighters. <laughs> to put things in perspective, the UFC was uh, sold to William Moore, William Morris Endeavor, one of the, the biggest agencies for how much? I think four or five billion dollars. 
billion. So when you were fighting in the UFC, there was no health insurance. There's no pension. You can't bring sponsorship deals into the ring. And I have to imagine that you spent your whole career fighting. So you kind of have to be submissive to whatever the rules are if you actually want to make money. Because how many kids do you have? I have six kids. I have four, yeah. But two older ones and four with my ex, ex-wife now. So, yeah. So you have six kids. And so you essentially have to fight. There's no other. I mean, sure, you could start up a new career, grow your social media following and do sponsors. But Well, I mean, I, I, I love fighting. It's something that, I was, that saved my life, to be honest. Um, I mean, but um, for the kind of circumstances I was working in, it, it, it wasn't good. But, um, you know, I mean, I mean, I have businesses I'm doing now, but that's not the point. The point is, you know, fighting to the top end and being one of the best fighters in the world, you shouldn't have to sit there and argue with, with, the, with the, the company you work for about getting paid more money. And that's what these guys are going through right now. Although I'm out of this company now um, for about two years now, like I said, I'm in a couple of lawsuits against them. And um, just trying to spread the word about how corrupt these guys are and just letting people know what, what they're getting into. Um, uh, and it's not the actual prestigious and, uh, and title that you'll get when also with money-wise. And I'm not just talking about it. I'm doing something about it. That's why I'm in two lawsuits against them. <laughs> you know, and they've got all the money. So. <laughs> and uh, what's it been like you to be in these lawsuits? Well, I mean, I, I joined the class section about um, a year ago now, but my one's been going for about, uh, you know, that one's been going for about six years. The UFC spent about $80 million trying to get, keep this out um, of the UFC, MMA. And um, we can see why, because they just don't want their fighters to earn a proper living. They don't want to give them a fair share of, 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 the, of, the, of the funds, and that's it. But my other lawsuit, we've been going for about two and a half years, three years. Uh, we we went to a, a, a great case that I've got. You know, we took it to Las Vegas. We got hometown. We lost. Uh, one judge came in and threw out all our causes of action, and just said, you know, Mark should know what he is getting into. He knew what he was getting into. He's, he's, you know, and who knows if he had won the fight or not against Brock Lesnar. And I'm thinking, well, that's not the point, lady. The point is, it's not a fair fight. Doesn't matter whether I'd won or not. The guy was cheating. Don't you see that? And when, when you say cheating, what you're describing is you finally made it to like the biggest possible fight of your career, probably the most attention, the most momentum. And then you end up fighting someone that tests positive for steroids. Before the fight. Before the fight. They, they give him a four-month buffer so he doesn't have to be tested for the fight. So then he you fight this guy who's... So, I mean, he looks so enormous, right? Like, yeah, he looks way bigger than me. And they say that he weighed about 500 grams heavier than me. And I'm thinking, and they didn't even have a public weighing. So, you know, there's, there's no way that, that was, he, he was legally, you know, or contractually on weight. Well, I, I said it before the fight. I said, and I, and I said to these, you know, I mean, you say a lot of things before the fight. I mean, people say they're going to kill that person. But, you know, I, I said, you know, he he's, yeah, I don't care if he's cheating or not. I'm still going to beat his ass, mm. you know. But in the next breath, like I said, I, I did. I was worried about it because I did message Dana asking, saying, are "You guys, are you guys testing this guy?" And he and he replies, "Yeah, we'll be testing. He's the most tested guy in the in the in the UFC." Then they give him a four month uh, pass to not be tested. I'm thinking, 
you know, it's just, uh, if you would have won this fight, would you have earned more money or was it that there would just be more opportunity that you would have had? I wouldn't have won anything more. I would have got, um, uh, I would have just won the bout, which would have pushed me further towards the title. You know, um, there would have, a lot of things would have changed, uh, you know, not contractually wise because I was under contract, but, um, you know, that wasn't the point. That was just the straw on the camel's back with that guy. There was three or four guys before that. Um, before I dropped the lawsuit, and then it was him, and then there was another guy named Josh Barnett, where they where they tried to get me to fight him, and I said no because he's a cheater. Let's put a clause in the contract um, that if he gets caught, take all his funds. They wouldn't do it. He pops two days later for steroids. I start laughing about it, and I said, "Good job, that's what you get." And then they sent me another a guy to fight, which was another cheater guy, and I said the same thing again: put a clause in the contract, take off the funds, don't give it to me. If he gets caught, I don't want to earn a cent. And um, they said no, but this time they sent a letter saying, if you don't take the fight, we're going to fire you. So, you know, I took the fight and then I dropped the lawsuit. That's where this ended up. I got you. So when you're saying you want, if you could play this out and everything happens the way you want to see it happen for fighters, what, I know you're saying that they should get more of the purse and they should get, like, what are all the aspects they need to have, you think, in order to really take care of the the guys who fight? Well, for the guys that fight now for them, well, they need to change. They need to bring in the Ali Act, which shows the transparency. They need to they give them a, a, a 50% share of the, the revenue um, for the fighters. I mean, their health care needs to be changed for starters in there. Um, so these fighters get looked after after their fights. I mean, businesses look after their employees even when they're injured later on from down the line. Um, for the for the other lawsuit of mine, the steroids, they need to... They catch these guys. They take all the funds off them and ban them for life. I mean, they take they take thirty percent of them if they don't make weight. So I mean, what you're saying is, if they don't make weight, they'll take away thirty percent. But if they get popped for steroids, what happens? They get put through the, uh, to USADA, and they go they go through the cycle of USADA, and USADA's in their pocket. <laughs> Yet in the in the UFC contract, it states that they have the power to take off all the funds of these guys. Yet they don't. So just just in terms of you, uh, what brings you, you know, your life today, what brings you happiness and joy? What are those things? Well, um, fighting used to bring me um, a sense of uh, of, um, of pride um, before I ended up suing this company. Um, a lot of things. I mean, uh, standing up for for those that actually they can't do anything about it these days and, and try to help make change for them being a leader in my community. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm going through different difficult times now with my ex partner, we separated and everything like this, but um, just being there for my children for me at this stage is uh, finishing my career, finishing the six fights and making some money and then seeing all my businesses do well, which is the main thing. And when do you think your next fight is? It's in October, October. It was in um, September the 5th, but um, they pushed it to October first week because of because uh, we were all in the, you know, the COVID. We're all in the, <laughs> the whole world's in this COVID thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark, thanks for sharing. Uh, uh, I'm glad you, you shed light and you're talking and talking about the lawsuit and talking about the injustices that are going on. And um, I think, you know, it's, it's really relatable for a lot of people to end up in a position where they've... Uh, work their whole life to get to a certain point, whether at some point in their career, I mean, across many different industries. 
And uh, some industries just haven't seemed to evolve as much as other ones, probably because this sport of the UFC, you know, whatever, I don't know. It's been around what, 20 or 25 years? You look at baseball and some of these other sports, they've been around a long time and hopefully they to follow what has been created before them so that guys like yourself. Yeah, they make all the Dana's made all those excuses for these this company. You know, it's being a new company. It's only new because the other the other sports are really old. It doesn't change the fact that they're getting the mainstream of the purse. They get it doesn't change the fact that they that the whole world is watching them and knowing these fighters. And that's just an excuse for them just to say we're going to keep these guys down and not pay them what they should be. Mm-hmm. People are starting to realize this and see this, you know, and the fighters are actually starting to say something about it, which is good. Do people, like when you walk down the street, are people kind of afraid of you? They just look at me and go, this big, black, crazy looking motherfucker, you know, they just... You have the look where I'd be like, I would never want to cross... I'm, not, I'm a nice guy, man. I want to see a nice guy. I, I, I don't... Uh, not a lot of things anger me, you know. Only things that anger me is, is a woman that's... Uh, try to ruin my life and uh and that when i'm losing on gaming so <laughs> but uh, that's about uh, actually actually a nice guy <laughs> no i got i mean you feel, i feel like i feel like you're a very nice guy but if if the right if something happens where it crosses you you get extremely upset quite quickly well i'm, I'm a loyal person and if something happens i've got your back doesn't matter what the, the what the you know whatever the other side is uh, you know if we're friends i'm with you it doesn't matter Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on Always Evolving. Yeah, I mean, how they can support us is, is, is the fans by not supporting the UFC, by not buying the buying the pay-per-views. Um, how they can also, how the fighters can do is by not fighting. So, you know, that's how you can support uh, these guys uh, in the UFC, by actually not buying the pay-per-view. <laughs> Things will change for them quickly. And it's weird to say that, but, uh, but that's how you do it. Anyway, thanks for your time, Mike, and I appreciate having you on the show. Thank you to the legend Mark Hunt for being a guest on Always Evolving with me, Coach Mike. We reached out to the UFC. They responded with no comment, so they have nothing to say in terms of their side of the story. Please make sure you subscribe to this podcast. You click subscribe and you'll be notified every time we have a new episode and keep evolving. Thanks.